Now let's 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 come to I guess the controversial part of it is every single piece of content that you drive people to from LinkedIn is ungated. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. The modern buying process yeah. is way different than before. So you can't expect someone to read it and then just go exactly straight to a demo and, and be able to track all that. A lot of it is a gut feeling of, hey, demos are lower this week. Like you really don't know where people are, but you're going to say, hey, this is a great introduction or hey, this is like a great piece about our technology that we want you to read because we know percentage of people that we're targeting do fall into these categories. Welcome to the Show Me the Data podcast by Leadset, where every week we get marketing and sales leaders from fast growing B2B tech companies to share specific tactics they use to drive revenue for their business. The best part, they share the exact metrics and data points behind each of their tactics. I'm your host, Tukan Das, the co-founder and CEO of Leadset. See you there. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Rowan Gray. Rowan's the head of demand generation at Balto.ai. Welcome to the show, Rowan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Cool. So before we get started, Rowan, uh, can you tell us what Balto.ai does? Yeah, so Balto.ai essentially helps reps stay on track during conversations and it guides reps in real time during calls. So I'm a sales rep and uh, I'm selling to you, what's going to happen is I ball show up and it tells me exactly what I need to say in the, the perfect moment. So it's not following a script, but it's more recommendations and dynamic. And we are the only real-time guidance at the time. So so it basically listens to the conversation in real time and makes suggestions? Correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And when you say a sales rep, are you guys focusing on any specific sales rep or can like a B2B SaaS sales rep use it? Yeah, so technically B2B SaaS uh, sales rep could use it, but typically we've seen it work best in contact centers. But sales reps, um, customer service, compliance, all those kind of folks, if you're in a large call center or contact center, it's perfect because not only does it guide the conversation, but there's back-end data that feeds right back into it. So if you have you know, hundreds, thousands of calls a day, then all that data you're collecting can be rebuilt and re-put back into Balto. So you're always getting better. Uh, And it's very, very interesting because it's data based on the voice that feeds back in. And then reps can get the new habits, the new phrasing, the new uh, rebuttal, like all of that's right there and they can just use it instantly. So that's amazing. So I'm guessing, Rowan, you guys are targeting large enterprises. Is that the typical? Yeah, for the most part. Most part. Okay. So now... Then as the head of demand generation, what are some different tactics that you are using currently to drive demand uh, for Balto? Yeah, it's really interesting. So we tried a whole bunch of things. We've tried Outbrain. We've tried email newsletters. We've tried paid email newsletters. uh, We've tried Google ads. But the thing that's worked best for us really has been paid social. So LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and Facebook ads. And the reason is, like I mentioned before, there's not really a software in the market right now that yep. uh, can do what Balto does, right? So we're more in the business of creating new demand versus capturing demand because the demand's not there. Um, so we have to be very problem solution oriented and we have to educate people as much as possible on 
what they can do with such a new technology. So it's really, really interesting. You know, if you're looking for uh, an SEO agency, you there's a million choices, you know, yeah. whereas like real-time guidance, there's only one. So yeah. it's very interesting. Amazing. So that means Google probably wouldn't be a very good platform for you guys, at least Google search, because people are not really searching for real-time guidance. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, so you talk about paid social, predominantly LinkedIn and Facebook. LinkedIn, obviously, you know, your target buyers are on LinkedIn. Uh, but historically, what we have seen and heard from other customers is LinkedIn is an expensive platform to run any kind of paid, paid advertisement. Why did you guys choose that? And, and what's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, so we primarily use, primarily use LinkedIn because of the targeting and the data behind it. So, I mean, there's certain verticals, there's certain titles that we know manage the contact center and they have contact centers, right? So with that targeting, we know, okay, these are the people. Because it's a lot different than like a software company. Like it's pretty easy to target software companies both on Facebook and LinkedIn. On LinkedIn for contact centers, though, it's way easier to target those kinds of people. A, B, you can really go in depth with targeting. So you can target all the CEOs at financial services companies between 100 and 500 employees. You know, they're going to have a pretty big contact center, you know, they feel these pains and then you can even go deeper and say, all right, these people have these skills because I've profiled them already. I profiled the ideal customer. We can push it exactly to them. I also think something that's overlooked often is the type of content on these platforms. So on Facebook, it's obviously way different from LinkedIn and that Facebook it's, you know, friends updates or more personal life stuff. Whereas LinkedIn, a lot of people go there to learn more or to shout out employees. Um, it's just a whole different space for, for content to live. So you talked a little bit on the LinkedIn targeting. So you are targeting predominantly by company size and buyer personas within certain industries. Is that the correct. primary way of you targeting? Yeah, correct. Got it. And are you doing any kind of custom audiences or anything like that? At the time, we're not really doing custom audiences. I mean, we do retargeting on other channels. So we know that, all right, here's the perfect audience on LinkedIn. And then we'll retarget them on other platforms that are cheaper. So it's like, these are the perfect people. And then we'll make sure that they continually see Balto things through a cheaper platform. One interesting thing with targeting is you can... If you have a customer or several customers and, you know, let's say the CEO started the conversation, was the main decision maker and ended up buying the software, you can look at their profiles and see the skills that are listed on their profiles and throw that in LinkedIn and the LinkedIn ads. So, you know, all the CEOs with process optimization, we're going to target those people because they're the forward thinkers, you know, they're the ones that are most likely to engage with these kind of ads and this whole new concept, which is the data on LinkedIn is incredible because it's one of the places where you want to update it. Like you want to have the hottest profile. You know what I mean? You're not going to say, oh, I'm still manager of whatever. No, I'm CEO now. And I'm changing that as quickly as I can. Same with the skills because you're always trying to say, all right, these are my skills. Like how do I get more recommendations? All that kind of stuff. So Hmm. it's really, it's beautiful because the data is 
self-selected yeah and you get you get to like essentially target the people that are saying i'm this kind of person yeah so yeah it's very interesting so you are actually looking at the current customers that you guys are closing closing look at their skills and expertise and then targeting more people with the similar skill set and experience within your target vertical yeah yeah That's exactly. very smart. so it's layered in because not everyone updates their skills you know what i mean Fair some enough. people use linkedin their own way but yeah for the most part like a broader campaign and then more specific ones with the people most likely and then of course you're testing all of this so you're always yeah. going hey is this working or not you know what i mean so yeah okay so now let's let's talk about is this this linkedin strategy is it an always on strategy for you rowan or is it predominantly when you have a big product launch or webinar or something like that it's always on and it's actually an Something we've seen that's interesting is when we turn off ads, even if it's like over the weekend, there's a lag in conversions. So huh. it's really interesting. And the way we run it, we're not really looking at, hey, this campaign has a million conversions because um, mm -hmm. we know they're going to see an ad probably on mobile and then probably come back on desktop and they're probably going to go to G2 they might ask a friend, like the buying process is not, oh, here's some interesting content. Yeah. Like, I want this right now. That's not how it works. No. You know I mean? So it, it's it's way more of a of a gut a gut feeling as to what's working and what's not. And like I said, we notice when they're always on, we just see more conversion. So it's very interesting. Amazing. So now let's let's talk about your always on campaigns. Is it are you trying to run this as an awareness play? Or is it a direct response or a little bit of both? So there's no real direct response, but how I'd best categorize it is brand and performance at the same time. So it's content that I know this ICP is going to find valuable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, building the brand, showing them valuable content, providing value, as well as like, obviously we are looking at, hey, our demos coming in, our ops coming in. So it's a little bit of both, but we know by putting out the right content into the world to the right people, there will be demos from it. Okay. So it's kind of, it's, it's interesting because obviously we can't just run awareness all the time and then just say, hey, <laughs> everyone knows about us. Uh, yeah. It has to be informative. It has to provide value. And it has to give people a reason to come back and, and, and look a little further. So For sure. So when you talk about content, what would be an example content that you put in front of this audience? So case studies, blog posts, specific pages that we know converted uh, well. So for, for instance, like you go on Google ads, you look at the funnel conversions, you realize, oh, 95% of people that got a demo also came through this one blog post, then you know, hey, this is a hot piece of content. Who converted through that? Let's push it to every person that fits that on LinkedIn. So got it. Yeah. And so that's 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 great. Now, do you use different at, at any given time? Are you using different kinds of content to different audiences? A hundred percent. Yeah. So like a case study in let's say in a telecom vertical would go out to every CEO or director of operations or call center within that Correct. versus a blog or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And you could even, you know, someone with a sales background is going to 
be interested in different content than operations or customer service, or customer experience. So you really have to make sure that the content you're putting out there resonates with the person that's going to be reading it, you know? Yeah. So does your targeting strategy dictate the content you create or the other way around? That is a great question. So targeting does definitely influence the content we produce, but it's, it's definitely two way in that like, this is, this is the perfect blog post for this audience. And Mm -hmm. then you push it out, you test it and it might may or may not work. Right. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have something that's way more general, way more broad. And you're like, Hey, this is a great piece of content. What if we pushed it to these people because we already know they like these kinds of content. So it's kind of both. Got it. Got it. That, and and I, I was expecting that, but so now let's, let's, let's come to, I guess the controversial part of it is every single piece of content that you drive people to from LinkedIn is ungated. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I had to double check that because <laughs> so, so now, now let's, let's talk about this. Uh, what is a KPI that you would measure? You would be measured on, I guess, when everything that you're driving is just traffic to that ungated content. Absolutely. So there's a, there's a few different ones, high level. I mean, obviously we're, we're looking at demos week over week, month over month. So is this content influencing demos at all? Right. So that's like Mm. the first piece. And then if you wanted to go a level deeper, you could look at scroll depth and time on page because really the goal is, Hey, here's some valuable content. We inserted our point of view into this content as well. Are people consuming the content? Because if people consume it, we know a percentage of them are in buy mode. They're looking for a software solution for their call center or contact center, and and they'll convert. So it's demos and have they consumed the content. And in terms of demos then, so you're basically tracking how many people are coming to your website, how long they visited or stayed on the page, how, how much they scrolled, and then how many of them then went to a demo? from that page or click? Yeah, not exactly. Cause you, you really can't tie back to a page. Cause like I said, the modern buying process is way different than before. So you can't expect someone to read it and then just go exactly straight to a demo and, and be able to track all that. A lot of it is a gut feeling of, Hey, demos are lower this week. Like maybe this content isn't performing as well. And you have to realize too, I mean, the week, week over week view is not always the best because it could be a month, could be several months. And that's where that always on rule really applies. It's like, yep. you really don't know where people are, but you're going to say, hey, this is a great introduction or hey, this is like a great piece about our technology that we want you to read because we know percentage of people that we're targeting do fall into these categories. So. Understood. So what is a typical, you know, click-through rate are you seeing, Rowan, from, from people that are viewing a piece of content and then clicking through? All over the place. <laughs> it really depends on, on who mm-hmm. they are. Um, the highest one we've ever seen is 9.9%, which was Ooh. insane. Um, That's it was, crazy. It was a very relevant ad, and it didn't look like a B2B ad either. So it was, it was really interesting. But importantly, what a lot of people miss is they create 
ads that are just like clickbait almost like, oh, you have to click, you have to learn more, right? Um, another approach that we've seen work well is to make the ad like pretty long, but it's not, you know, your typical, you read this sentence and there's a cliffhanger and then you read this sentence and then it's <laughs> so long. It's like inserting the valuable content in the ad copy, like the, the spark notes version almost. Right. So yeah. we know that people that like look at the first sentence or just like read the ad without clicking, they're still getting our point of view. They're still getting value out of it. It's not just to drive people to read the whole thing. Now, obviously that's ideal because they're on the site, they can explore, they get more value from it, but not everyone, everyone has time, you know, some, mm -hmm. sometimes people are in a meeting or in between zoom calls and they're just reading the ad and they're, they keep on scrolling, but then they're like, Oh, Balto, they do this mm -hmm. or Balto. Like they told me about this. So click through rate is a great metric, but at the same time, it's not the end all be all. Got it. Have you ever done any experiments where you're targeting a specific audience uh, through ads on LinkedIn? whether they click on the ad and go to the page or they view the ad. And at the same time, you are getting your SDRs to reach out to the same kind of people through email or other channels. Is there a correlation that if they see an ad, if that audience has seen an ad and you're doing prospecting, uh, they're getting better engagement on from the prospecting piece? A hundred percent. And that's actually like, I think everyone thinks, ABM needs fancy tools and all this stuff, but really you just need a list that you can upload into LinkedIn, into Facebook that you can hit and you know the content's gonna resonate with them while SDRs are doing reach out and you will see and you will hear from SDRs, hey, a lot of these people, they know about Balto, they've seen us, they think it's interesting. I don't have a specific number because a lot of it is kind of just what we're hearing. Um, so. Got it. Okay. And what is a typical CPC are you seeing, Rowan, uh, on, on LinkedIn? So all over the place, hmm. all over the place. It could be between five and, you know, 30 $45. Now, it really depends on the ad relevancy, though. So you can adjust your bid so that you're only spending a certain amount. And then if the ad really resonates with people, LinkedIn will lower the cost. So there have been scenarios where we've done LinkedIn targeting, Facebook targeting, same audience. And the LinkedIn ads were like a dollar, um, a dollar more per click than Facebook. Hmm. So oh, wow. if you get really, really good at LinkedIn ads, you can drive the cost down because it's all based on relevancy. And that's kind of, again, goes back to the targeting, whereas like Facebook, it is going to be a much broader audience. It's a lot harder to really make sure that this ad resonates with everyone around LinkedIn. Like, you know, all these people are a certain kind of person and you know, yeah. the ad's going to resonate. So, yeah. Yeah. And so you are never, not never, you are normally not driving traffic to request a demo from LinkedIn. Yeah. I, I could confidently say almost never, unless we have some kind of special promotion. Uh, and usually that's a retargeting play. So amazing. Okay. So now then let, let's, I guess let's wrap up. So this whole ungated framework thing, um, it makes me a little uneasy when I hear that because, you know, I'm not generating a lead click getting paying so much money to drive this traffic. So when someone is thinking about gating or ungating 
a piece of content and, and typically driving traffic to it. What are certain things or pros and cons of it, Rowan? Like what should someone think of when they're thinking about this? I think the big thing is if you're getting content, um, usually when I think of getting content, I think of an ebook and I don't think most people actually read ebooks. Like yeah. I know myself, I've been on Drift. I downloaded all the ebooks and then they're just sitting on my computer. Yeah. I was so excited. You know, you open it up, you're like, oh, this is cool. And now I'm an MQL in the database and there's SDR reach out. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I really just wanted to read this. I didn't even read it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's kind of it's kind of a mess. But again, I think it goes back to consuming, consuming the content, making it easy to consume the content. And then I think with the gated stuff, there's just so much friction. And then a lot of it's high level, high level stuff that you don't really want to reach out to someone for you know what I mean? So like going back to SEO, like, I don't know if it was like top SEO tools to use and it was gated for some reason. And then someone downloaded it and you provide this SEO service to, you know, like you're an agency and you don't, you're not in the business of tools. Like it makes no sense to, to reach out to that person. Um, yeah. I think, the only place that makes sense to really gate content is if it's really high intent. So if it was like a long demo video or, or that kind of thing at the same time, like if it's a long demo video, people might just be curious, like, what is this? So I think gating content and how you use that data you collect really, it comes down to the, the company and how you want to run things. But I think, for the most part, getting content and then following up and saying, hey, like, do you want a demo? 95% of the time, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, no, so. no I, I get it. And that is the predominant model right now, like drive traffic, download content and someone follows up. Um, yeah. Cool. So one question I have for you, Rowan, is in terms of your tech stack, what are you using to help you do this? So tech stack, it's, it's really the basics, you know, it's HubSpot for better attribution and, and all that kind of automation stuff. We use Instapage, which is a great landing page builder. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the beauty of that is just, hey, you want to change up content really easily, throw it on a bunch of different pages. Uh, it's like the best landing page builder I've seen. And mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. We have Drifts for chat. So I think that's another valuable channel where people can mm -hmm. come on the site if they have questions around a certain piece of content, they can, they can chat, chat with us. Um, it's pretty basic. I mean, I think with LinkedIn targeting, you just go so in depth. And if you have some other means of getting data to add on to that, then you're, you're good for the most part. So. Cool. No, that's, that's great. So, so you're not using any, any automated tools to run that. You're just using native LinkedIn and Facebook to target. Yep. Yep. Amazing. Final question for you, Rowan, in terms of your role as the head of demand generation at Balto, if you had to say one of the biggest challenges that you are currently facing that you're trying to solve, what would that be? The biggest challenge I'm facing, I'd say, um, I think, in general, ads on LinkedIn, Facebook aren't as, as effective as they could be. And I think a lot of times the targeting is too broad or the message doesn't always resonate with people, even with those micro-targeted ads. And I think the big thing I'm trying to 
the big challenge right now is how do I make content that people that's more of an experience that people can click into and then they do something and then there's more word of mouth marketing off of that because ultimately like I think the best ads create some kind of spark or some kind of fire and people tell other people about it whether it's the content or the ad and it's really figuring out okay what's the next iteration of that what is the thing that no one else is doing? And we have some ideas in the pipeline that we're currently building. Don't want to share them right now, but once we figure that out, it's going to be pretty cool. So, so that'll be part two of this. Once you have done this, run the experiments, <laughs> we are going to talk about the results. But this is, this is great, Rowan. Thank you so much for showing us the data. It was really, really great to have you. Thank you again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Thank you.